Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. It's good morning. Good morning, good morning. I'm uh, happy to be here today. How about you? Eh, this side, not so much. A little more on this side. <laughs> so it's, it's always good to be in the presence of the Lord. Uh, we know that he's with us all the time, but when we come together as a body and as a family to worship God, there's some really uh, cool things that happen in us and, and happen for us. And God cares about every one of us, and he cares about everything that's going on in our lives. And uh, that's something I was referring to in communion. Many people are in our church who need prayer, and we want to continue to lift them up. So I encourage you to do that. And uh, as we do life together uh, as a church, we, um, we've been in this series called uh, Culture of Community, Creating Culture of Community. And last week, and I want to carry into this week because I didn't finish last week, but uh, basically understanding our purpose understanding our purpose. And we do have a purpose. And uh, Jesus demonstrated to us a purpose, which I'll talk about in a little bit, just in his own life. Uh, Last week, understanding that God created us for a reason. He created us to have relationship with us. And he created, also, he created us to have relationship with each other. That's part of life. That's part of why we're here. Uh, God was God He didn't have to create us. It would have been a lot easier for him probably just to be God and not have to deal with all the conflict we create for him. But he wanted a relationship with us. He he is a relational God, and he loves to spend time with us. And so in understanding also that when we're fulfilling our purpose, we're walking in God's favor. His favor is on us when we're fulfilling our purpose. And we talked about Mordecai and Esther last week, and just the great story of that, and how uh, all of the things came together where that, that one moment, there was a lot of things difficult going on, uh, and when Mordecai sent word back to Esther when she told him about some things, and sent word back to say, Esther, because she, she was, as we all do, probably challenged with, man, I don't want to go to the king. I I could lose my life if I do this. But him saying, Esther, is is it possible that you are queen for such a time as this? And I believe that that is what God has put in us, even in our hearts for us as a church. We're, We're in a such a time as this season in our life and understanding what our purpose is. It was interesting, um, on Friday, I happened to watch most of the Billy Graham funeral. I don't know if some of you caught that, but I was watching that and just sort of thinking about God and all of who he is and his grace, his mercy, and, and looking at the life of Billy Graham and noticing, obviously, who, who is in attendance and there and giving honor to this incredible man who uh, was, lived 99 years and to listen to his children, who are certainly grown adults and have experienced a lot of life, and to listen to some of their stories. And you would think if your dad was Billy Graham, 
you would never make a mistake. You would never do anything wrong, right? Realizing that Billy Graham's family was no, no different than anybody else's family. His children uh, struggled and went through tough times just like everybody else. And so we're all in that place and listening to one of his daughters talk about her challenges that she faced and bad decisions that she made as an adult and had a couple failed marriages and where her, her mom and dad had had challenged her, had cautioned her about moving into this one relationship too fast, and her kids were saying, "Mom, don't do this." And she's like, "Well, I, you know, just kind of, well, I don't need to listen to all this. I know better." Type of a thing. And then she's telling about where she got into this relationship with this man, and it fell apart after 24 hours. She realized I made a huge mistake. And I think within a few weeks, she she had left this man, and she was obviously just torn up emotionally and everything, and called her parents and. You know, said, I, I, I want to, I need to come talk to you. And, and she's driving up this windy driveway up to their Billy Graham's house, her, her dad and her mom, and sees her dad standing outside and drives up and she gets out of the car and he just embraces her, gives her a big hug and says, welcome home. And she said, you know, that, that's just like Jesus, his grace, you know, she, she, she was waiting for the big stick to come down. See, we told you. You should have never done that. That's not. It was just the embrace and the love and the grace of God demonstrated through who this man was. And, and seeing that. And then uh, also I just couldn't help but take note of after the, the, the funeral was over and the, the pr- procession that was going kind of up this path and up to this look like a barn with a big cross cut out in it. And and they were uh, walking, all the family members, and seeing them walk, and I'm thinking, wow, this is a legacy of what God did through one man because of the purpose in his life. He took that challenge from God that gave him a a plan for his life, and he took a hold of that, and he said, I'm going to do something with my life. I'm going to fulfill the purpose that God has in my life. And as as you could see, all of the people following behind this casket with Billy Graham in it. And it's this incredible legacy because one man said yes to God and what, what his will was for his life. And I think we're all in that place where what kind of legacy are we leaving? What, what are we doing and how are we affecting people around us? Or, or is it just all about ourselves? Because if Billy Graham was just all about himself and didn't, follow through with what God's purpose was for him, it could have been a very small guarantee the president of the United States wouldn't have been there. I'm thinking, here's the president, here's the vice president sitting in the front row of this incredible man of God that influenced the world probably greater than anybody else. But just a simple person just like you and I that said yes, whatever that is. Now, we're not all going to do what Billy Graham did. But God already has a plan for each one of us and a purpose for us. And it's a matter for us to say, God, I'll do that. If you're calling me to do that, I'll do that. I think sometimes finding our purpose is kind of like learning how to drive. I, I flash back to this when I was 15 and a half years old. I had gotten my permit to drive re- around that time, and I was... Driving the car, my mom's sitting in the passenger seat. My mom probably, I hope she doesn't remember this, but now that I'm going to say it, she'll remember it. So my older brother 
we, so we're at Martin Way and, and Slater Kenny headed south to church at the stoplight. And lo and behold, my brother pulls up in his hot rod car next to us. And I'm driving my parents' car, and my mom's sitting right next to me. There's something in a young teenage kid. And when your brother is next to you and his car's going boom, 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 boom. My instinct was, this is on. <laughs> the light turned green. I put the pedal to the floor, and the tire began to squeal. You should have seen my mom's face. <laughs> she got a little bit um, upset with me. Just a little, not much, because my mom didn't have, she, she didn't get too far off the top there when she gets, but she's like, <laughs> Stephen, now that's not what we do. <laughs> I think I was ahead of Dave. I can't totally remember 100%. <laughs> But obviously, I, I slowed down. And, and the thing was that I knew that that tire was going to break loose and squeal and do that. I knew that only because my brother used to drive that car before he got his car. And he's the one that taught me that. So <laughs> you, can, you can ask him about that. <laughs> he's not here today to defend himself. But, uh, but in that, thinking that, <laughs> I got off track a little bit there. So, Mom, I don't even know if I asked you to forgive me, but if I didn't, then I don't know that that was even worthy to have to be forgiven for, because I think that's part of fun. <laughs> and I don't even know if that was illegal. I don't know. It is? How, do you, how would you know, Chris? Because you, well, the, I don't know. Anyway, you know, when we're learning how to drive and we're thinking of all of these things, uh, oh, do I, do I need to put the brake on? Okay, I need to accelerate. Oh, not to accelerate too much. It, can I see in my mirrors? Uh, oh, I, I just, there's, this, there's water all over the road. There, you, you're thinking of all these things when you're learning how to drive, and you're just kind of like in this place of uncertainty of really what to do, and you're, you're, you're going down the road, and it, and it is a little bit stressful, and it can be at times, and, and we, we think that we're good, and we're professional, and we know what we're doing and everything, and turns out we probably don't until later on we learn some of those things and we can become unsure of ourselves and even try to think about everything think about too much because now as you get older you just jump in your car and you drive now you try to you're you're safe and everything but you're not you're not filled with all these things you have a purpose you know where you're going you're going to get there and pretty much everything kind of comes natural even for those that drive a stick shift which is a whole nother you know, because a lot of people won't even do that. They won't jump in the car and do that because they have to push the clutch in, which is a whole other, you know, trick to everything. But, you know, in, in life, and when we're trying to figure out our purpose, like, am I supposed to do this or am I supposed to do that? I don't know. Sometimes we just kind of feel our way through. And we get distracted easily by different things and, and stuff. And the reason they put different laws and rules into place now and they've change some of that is because they need to put somebody in the car with you as responsible or they don't want you having all your friends when you're 16 driving around <laughs> and you're just driving around aimlessly and trying to have fun and do it. But there's, a, there's a distractions that happen in our life. And so we have to be careful to not let distractions keep us from our purpose. Now, I was thinking about the story of Samson. Very interesting because last week we talked about Esther. 
In a way, Samson was really called to do something similar as Esther, but Samson ended up with distractions. Because when Samson became a young man, he went to his parents because he found this woman who was a Philistine, and he found that she's like, this is a very attractive woman. And he goes back to his parents and said, I want that. I want her. I want, I want to marry her. And parents are saying, hey, no, this is not a good idea. It's not a good fit, all that. The reality is the Bible tells us that God is in the midst of that whole thing. Even though it wasn't a good decision, God already had a plan for that because he was wanting to, to do something. And, and just similar to with Esther in that situation, to get into, in a sense, the enemy's camp and to infiltrate and to, to uh, create some things that God wanted to do in that situation. Well, Samson had some issues, though. He, he, had, he was distracted easily by women, and it, and it affected the call on, on his life. Now, God was faithful in that, and the Bible tells us when you read through Samson and you read the story of that and how it was the supernatural power of God that came upon him each time there was things that uh, Samson did in, his, in the physical strength that were supernatural. Um, of course, the, the one thing that was the angel of the Lord told uh, his, his mom, his parents, was don't ever cut his hair. He was a Nazarite. And so he, they took the vow, don't ever cut his hair because that's where his strength lies in that. Although the strength comes from the Lord, but that's the one thing. Be careful and guard that. And Samson found himself into some t- situations because he let distractions get in the way in his life. And so in these, these women that were creating, help, uh, causing him to be distracted... And ultimately, well, because won't, I won't take time to go through all the story, but I mean, his strength was so much incredible that one of the things we, that we read in the story was that he killed a thousand Philistines with, with just a, a jawbone of a donkey. Pretty incredible thing. I mean, that's something that you and I wouldn't be able to do. But it was this, every time the power of God came upon him. Well, he ended up caving in and giving up the secret. He, ga- he gave it up to Delilah because she kept pressuring him, kept pressuring him, and he just fell to, to her beauty and her pressure. Finally gave that. Well, it ended up ultimately costing Samson his life, but God still had a purpose to fulfill, and he did because Samson called on him, and just at the last moments there, where the story talks about and they were in this big uh, temple area. There was like 3,000 people on the roof. And he called upon God. They, they had gouged his eyes out. Cut his, they had cut his hair. So he, here he was, this, this, this weak man who, who really had kind of lost direction in his purpose. But he called out to God. He cried out to God and said, God, let me, let me fulfill your purpose. Let me do this. And he, had, he was asked to be led to the pillars, and he put his hands on the pillars and prayed out to God for one final surge of strength from the power of God that came upon him, and he was able to push those pillars down, and the whole thing caved and said three, about 3,000 people died that day, but including Samson. So we have to really be careful at the things the enemy really tries to bring in our path, the distractions for the purpose that God has for us. There's many people who don't understand, uh, especially children, I would say children don't understand 
the purpose at times for parents. When they, they start getting in their teen years and they, they think, well, the parents are in their way. They're, 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 they're blocking whatever their plan is. They're trying to control my life. They're trying to take away my freedom. They're doing all of these things. And realizing that as we grow up as adults, we end up doing that to God. Times where we feel like, oh, we can do I can do this on my own. I don't need God. I figured this thing out. I, and it's kind of reverting back to when we were at home with our parents. And some of you have been there. Some of us have been in those situations. And understanding as people, you know, why are we here? What, what have we done over the years? What, what happened to man along the way to cause relationship with God to be damaged, to be hurt? The decisions that man makes to break relationship with God and to think that God Almighty, the creator of the universe, created man to have an incredible relationship, to love on them. It's just like in the natural, as parents, we, we create these children, we have these children, we love on them. They're amazing, and we, we just want to have relationship, and, and it goes well for a while, and then pretty soon some things happen, and all of a sudden there's a broken relationship. And similar things to what is happening here with God over the generations, where there's a breaking of relationship because of, because of our choice. We choose to break a relationship with our creator, the God who created us, the God who wants nothing more than to love on us, to, to pour out his grace and his mercy upon us. And we end up basically turning against him and, and in society that we've done that as a society. We ultimately, and, and we see it around us, we're basically just kind of thumbed nose at God and saying, hey, who are you? What do you, what do you know? I'm going to do this thing myself. And we can do it better. And we kind of see that in society. Well, God told man to be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> in addition, he said to rule everything on the earth. But understanding that we were under him, under his rulership, under his leadership, we're not under our own leadership, rulership. And so he gave us these things, but we are weak just like Samson was weak without the power of God, without the strength of God. We, as, as human beings, we're weak without God's help. And I believe that man has become arrogant and, at times and self-serving. We've kind of gotten off this track because righteousness and holiness were a part of the original plan that God created. When he, we, we see it reflected when he created Adam and Eve at the very beginning. That was a good relationship. But it didn't take long for that to begin to break down. And those two things, righteousness and holiness, we see were lost. But as believers, we begin to regain those things through Jesus Christ because he went to the cross for us, right? He went to the cross and he began to, uh, since the, the fall of man, that God had a plan. And it was a redemptive plan for us. And he's been in the process of making us as individuals to be more like Christ, as, as we walk through our, our walk with the Lord and our relationship with him. So there's a, there's a purpose for us. So we don't want to lose sight of the purpose, first of all, again, to re- have relationship with Jesus Christ, to have relationship with our Father and the relationships that we have with each other. And don't put ourselves in a place that we're above God or that we know more than him or we have a better idea for our life because he has a great plan for our life. We look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. It says, put on your new nature, created to be like God, 
not God, but to be like him, truly righteous and holy. That's our new nature, that when we became believers, when we said yes to Jesus, we asked him to forgive our sins, we have a new nature. And Satan has tried so hard to pervert the minds of many people to turn against the creator, turn against the one who created us. He's been able to infiltrate and get in and cause people to think that God is, for some reason, this bad person that's out to get him, and that somehow Satan is the savior to come and make things good for them, to take God's place. And I was thinking about that. Who would ever have thought that the conviction to, the conviction to save lives, like the, the children in the womb or the elderly, that that conviction would be looked at as narrow-minded or that that's, oh, that's, that's a thing of the past. We don't do that anymore. Um, con- that's controlling or that's out of touch, whatever. There's a conviction. But who would ever thought that now the, the voice and, that you keep hearing is that life isn't that important? I think about that and how, where, where we've come with that. Who would ever thought that freedom to choose or freedom to have a choice would mean that it would be, you would be given the right to destroy a life. And I think that what we see in society that comes and, and comes at us from every direction to try to just infiltrate us with all of these things, and it gets us derailed from our purpose. And we start going, well, okay. You know, we just sort of end up kind of going with this flow of, of the river that's taken us down this, as a society, down this path that is not what God ever intended for us. God's designed us to be a supernatural being, to be full of the Holy Spirit, to be powerful, to be those who can stand up to say that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He has a plan for your life. He loves us. His grace and his mercy is there, that he created life. He created us. And some reason, we as a society have come to this place where God is, is not part of who we are anymore. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. (laughs) Fruitful is a good word. Multiply is a good word. These are things that were part of God's plan from the very beginning. In Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 1, I want to read these few verses here. It says, dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's ways of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's ways, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. For Moses writes that the laws of of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your hearts who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to the earth, and don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand, and it's on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God 
and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jesus Christ needs to be at the center of our life. It's important. Because if he's not, if he, if he's not there for us, and if we don't understand the message, and we declare that, that he is Lord, he's God, he's our Father. He created us in his image. We're saved if we've, if we've confessed our sins and asked him to be Lord of our life. We're saved, we're there. Jesus had a purpose for coming to this earth. I was thinking about in this process, because when you, when you think about Jesus and everything he did, was he, he was obviously calculated at what he did and how he did it. And his first miracle that he ever performed was turning the water into wine at a, at a, a marriage a, a ceremony, wedding. After a while, they ran out of wine. So the servant said something to Jesus' mom, and she said, hey, Jesus, you know, this is what's going on. That wasn't really important to him, but it was something that he probably thought about. You know, I can use this as an opportunity. So he told the said to his mom, have the servants gather up six big barrels. They held like 20 to 30 gallons. Fill them with water. Fill them up with water. And then have the servants just dump them into pitchers and then serve them. There's the, I guess the, what would you call it, the guy who's MC in the, the wedding, you know, taking care of all this stuff. Go give, go give that to him. And it was interesting in that process because when he, he did not have any clue, first of all, what was going on. He didn't know they were running out of wine. He was just doing his job and having a great time there. And he drinks some of it, and he's like, this stuff is really good. He's like, hey, usually they have the best wine at the beginning, and they put, bring the cheap wine out at the end after everybody's kind of had a happy time for a while, and that they can slip the cheap wine in there. And he's like, this is the best. You, you save the best for last. Well, Jesus doesn't do anything part way. He does things really good when he does things. But the whole idea of this and the purpose I'm telling this is this was something that he wanted to demonstrate to his disciples, those who were close to him. He wasn't trying to do anything to all the people there that were part of the wedding party, um, all, all the guests. They, they didn't know that he did this. They that was just something that was just, they expected already there was going to be wine there. But his disciples noticed. The Bible tells us that at that point, the disciples were like, whoa, this guy is amazing. His disciples believed in him and, and, and said this, this act that he did it in Galilee, it blew their doors off. It, and so they saw his glory. His first miracle wasn't a display of uh, a public display in the sense that these guests and everybody didn't know. But he captured the attention of his disciples, and their belief meter was pegged at the top. It's like, we believe, in, we believe this guy. And it's interesting because now that he had the attention of his disciples, those that he needed to influence and, and really had to believe who he was, then he began to go out and demonstrate his purpose in future miracles that he, that, that he came to do. And the rest of the recorded miracles, or most of them you read, are really about 
whether he healed somebody or cast a demon out or raised them dead, it was really bringing, for the purpose of bringing people into the kingdom, understanding that he was very kingdom-minded in what he did. If you look in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 2, it says, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we, be keep, should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is preach, being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. His purpose was, he's saying, hey, look what's going on. People are being healed. Blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing. The good news is being preached. This is the purpose he came. And Jesus was sold 100% into this. In Mark 1.15, says, The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. This is what Jesus was about. The good news, the good news. Declaring the kingdom of God is at hand. We need to be about the good news and declaring who Jesus is in our life. Our purpose. What is our purpose? There's a lot of things that we could describe as being, well, my purpose is this or that. But ultimately, our purpose needs to be what his purpose is. If we're true followers of, of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that Jesus in his storytelling, he didn't usually tell stories in the Old Testament, because the Old Testament's full of stories, right? He could have t told all of these great, incredible stories. But his purpose was, under the New Covenant, he, he wanted to talk about grace and forgiveness. He wanted to talk things. And, and so he would tell stories, and the stories that we read in the New Testament were stories that were fresh and new, and that they, were, they had to do with who he was and what he was there to accomplish, what his purpose was. I've come to give it life, and I've come to give it abundantly. And so he didn't, there wasn't, not that the stories in the Old Testament, that he couldn't tell all those stories, but he, he was bringing, there was something new, there was something fresh about being under the new covenant of grace, forgiveness, and salvation. And that's what he was really trying to instill in the people that he spoke with. In Matthew 4.23, says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of illness, disease and illness. <laughs> There's good news that we've been called to declare to people all around us. The good news of Jesus Christ, what he did. He taught in the synagogues. He, he went around touching people's lives individually. Yeah. He cared about the one person who tugged on his garment you know, for most of us, that'd be a distraction. For him, it's like it got all of his attention. And he took the time to, to address and to heal. He cared about every person. I know it's important for us in our busyness of life that we take the time, as Jesus did. If anybody had, you know, had the right to it was probably Jesus to just to kind of keep going, hey, I got to go to the next city. I got stuff to do. I got to go here. I got to go there. I got... Do we understand our purpose? It's important for us to ask, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? Ask if the 
worship team would come. So we conclude this morning. And in essence, really, we are to be a reflection of Jesus to those around us. That's, that's what we, we really have been called to do. And to speak life. I think here, I want to leave you with something, too, that's really important. And I believe this is what Jesus was all, all about, too. Jesus wasn't about going around telling everybody and everything that was wrong around him and all of the things that people did that shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that, or that's wrong, or that's bad, or they should never do that. I believe Jesus' purpose was to tell about the goodness, the good things of God, the goodness, his love, his grace, all of those things, because he wanted to bring people to that place of recognizing their need for him, but also experiencing what they would experience when, they, when his grace and his love were demonstrated and who he was. Let's uh, stand this morning. We're going to sing the song that we uh, started off with the service this morning. And um, it's just an opportunity. This, I just really like us just to just take a minute, just in reflection. God, in the midst of all the stuff that's going on, what, what, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? Are there things that are blocking us? Are there distractions that we have? Or maybe there's fears that we have or different challenges we're faced with. When we're done singing this song, when, uh, Brenda has a, a poem that she wants to read. I'm going to let her read that this morning uh, before we're dismissed. But if, if you want to come and to the altars for any reason they're open, you can come and just be before the Lord and let him, let him speak to you. Let him speak to your heart. Maybe you're here today and you just feel so disconnected. It's like, God, I, I really don't know where I'm, I'm lost in what I'm doing. I love you. I trust you. I've, I know you said I'm your child, but I, I really don't know how to take the ne- where, where I'm going next. I really don't know what my purpose is because I'm so busy just trying to figure myself out. Where, wherever you're at this morning, Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, or you have and you just, seems like it's been a tough challenge for you. We want to pray for you this morning. So as we're singing this song, feel free to come to the altars and uh, just really seek God this morning. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 